0: Hello and welcome to the I Get Buckets podcast. I'm your host, Simon Harris. As always, we are here to take you through a weekly recap of all things NBA from an Aussie perspective. So, it's been a big week in basketball. Only last Thursday we had the NBA draft and obviously for all those following the NBA, we topped that off with free agency starting at 10am, I think it was, Australian time on the Saturday. So, it's been an interesting time for free agency. It's probably a little less star-studded from from what we'd been, um, I guess, anticipating or used to for the past two to three years, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of things that we can talk about, and uh, NEA players and signings that have been very interesting to kind of see where they've go. So this week, I'm going to take you through my top, top, top five uh, least favorite um, free agency signings, and... Than my top five favorite ones of free agency signings. So we're going to go through that. Everyone loves a bit of a list and um, I think there'd be a couple surprises but some things that I'm really interested to kind of talk about and and just put out there and then I guess if we have time, we might delve a little bit deeper into some of the things in the NBA draft that um, were a little bit interesting, I guess. But straight off the bat, again, solo podden, um, freestyling a bit here. But really keen to kind of throw out a couple of thoughts on some players and how some teams are are trying to rebuild and, and tool up for for season 2020 into 2021. So, again, shortened season is going to be interesting how things go, but we're going to put our um, glass half full um, perspective on and, and just kind of plough through. And then fingers crossed that we get um, as much as a resembling a normal NBA season. Um, it's good to have something to kind of look forward to. Um, It'll be twenty eight days from my account until we get NBA basketball back. So exciting! Um, so first, I think we'll um, go with my least favorite free agency signings, top five, and then and then end on a, a high night, high note with my favorite ones. So just to to start, let's go straight into it. I reckon. So number five, um, least favorite free agency signing, um, breaking the rules <laughs> straight away. Given it's not exactly a free agency signing but i wanted to start with talking about the De'Aaron Fox um 163 million dollar um max contract extension so um i was a little bit surprised not not shocked um that he got the the max rookie extension it was the first one announced um before Tatum before Mitchell before Adebayo um i just i just think it's a really kind of interesting talking point to talk about the Kings, um, talk about how people feel about De'Aaron Fox and his um, skill set kind of projecting forward to, um, you know, the, the high hopes is that he can be a leader on a playoff team and that he projects into not just your good NBA point guard but potentially your elite NBA point guard and the fact that the Kings don't hesitate to pay him his $163 million extension, which is the largest um, salary for a Kings player in history that they definitely... Uh, believe that's that's the case. Um, I don't have a lot of, of bad kind of things to say about the extension. I'm I'm kind of I'm happy with it in terms of the king signing a player that um, is going to be a part of their core moving forward. I have just I'm just interested if there was any negotiation in terms of offering him the max. I think you have to be really sure that this is your guy, and I just don't think he. He's been very, very good and we've seen him get better every single year and obviously he played really well in the bubble but he he's the kind of player that I would have really interested to see if there was a negotiation for his extension that was a little bit below the max. Um, I think the Kings have a, a well-documented history about managing their players in the books and a kind of willingness to, to throw money around that's gotten them into to difficult situations in the past. Um, we've already got, you know, Flashbacks of Buddy Hield um, basically throwing a tantrum and and bullying um, Vlad Dibak into to paying him the money um, that he wanted in the extension, and by all accounts the um, organization regretting that um, almost instantly. Um, and I could tell you, oh well, I I can kind of. Project that, I tell you, I'd much rather have Bogdan Bogdanovich on the books um, as of today rather than Buddy Hield for the same amount of money. Um, so I would have just been really interested to see if they could have potentially offered De'Aaron Fox a little bit less than, than the Max, and um, if he wasn't willing to kind of come to the party, if the agent said, you know, this is the number, I just didn't feel that there's any real issue with them waiting, Yeah, they or even straight, it doesn't have to be straight off the bat, um, I'd love to see you know the Kings stand firm and say you know what um, I want to see an All Star or you know a playoff appearance or or any kind of targets to say the the max extensions extension offer isn't going to be off the table. Um, we've got twelve months to look at the deal. He's not going anywhere. You can offer him the same kind of extension at the end of the year, and he's going to take it. Um, he's not going to be um, looking to sign the qualifying offer and um, stay, sticking around or, or, or going somewhere. If he wants to play in restricted free agency, I would love in 12 months to know what the number would be that he'd be signing on an off sheet if it went down that route. I just think um, Darren Fox wasn't an automatic max extension guy and I think in 12 months we could be sitting here saying, you know they did the right decision like he's the max extension guy we could have also been sitting in 12 months saying all right cool um he's ticked the box let's pay him um i just i think they've had problems managing the cap it didn't feel like an absolute no-brainer for me and i was a little bit surprised and we still we don't know what bagley's going to be and obviously he's probably a long long way of getting some similar numbers but Um, It would have been great to see, hopefully, 12 months of Fox and Bagley kind of together and then being a little bit more strategic about how you spend the money moving forward. Again, it's not a lot to to hate about it. They're the Sacramento Kings. If you can lock in a guy like that, I have no problems doing it. But um, it was just just interesting to kind of talk about that he got the money so quickly. I was a little bit surprised. So there it is. I don't really have too much... um, more to say that I just thought it was thought it was interesting. Number four on my least favorite acquisitions for frenzy. So I have this spot reserved for whatever team signs Hassan Whiteside. So we we haven't had a team yet, and maybe that's a a good thing. Teams are getting a little bit savvy. But when I was starting putting together this list, I was I was thinking whoever team picks up Hassan Whiteside is getting a spot here because I can tell you already that I don't like it for whatever kind of number it is. Um, there's a lot talked about his defense, his empty calorie basketball. I just don't think he's a um, a player you want on any of your team, whether you're building or challenging. Um, so he gets my four. Number three, um, I've got Danilo Gallinari. So I've with with the context of now Bogdan Bogdanovich signing, it, it makes me a little bit even more confused. I know that they're not exactly the same player, but I'm trying to put together exactly what... Um, the Atlanta Hawks are, are, move, are doing moving forward and I know they've got projections of, of really upping their ante to make it make the playoffs this year and there's an expectation that they're going to do that and they've got to spend their cap. Um, a, a recurring theme I might kind of come back to is like I, I don't like getting angry at teams trying to make moves and, and spending the money um, that they can, especially small market teams on free agency. I don't think we can get very angry with teams trying to be savvy about it but when I look at um, his age, his um, injury past. I think with a three million, um, or oh, sorry, three year deal for twenty point five million a season for someone who's thirty two, um, it just I don't know. It's it's not something that I look at the love given the fit um, around the team. I'm a little bit confused on what they're doing, especially with John Collins moving forward because um, you know Danilo and. Bogdanovich are both going to start for you, and you've you've got Clint Capella to, to be your center. I don't think there's any confusion about he's at least starting there, unless you want to get really funky with your lineups. Um, and then obviously Trey Young. So whether they're going with um, a herder or um, putting in John Collins at the four and, and making um, Danilo play three, it just gets a little bit funky. and worried about their team defense, um, especially. There's just there's just little things that in you know, isolation, I wouldn't have met in mind that deal, but now that they're pumping $40 million a year in both Bogdan and um, Danilo Gallinari, it makes less sense for me. I know that Gallinari's been a big piece of um, two teams making playoffs in the past two years that most, um, I guess, NBA writers and journalists would have not have pegged into the, the playoffs with um, the Los Angeles Clippers and... Um, and then Oklahoma City Thunder, obviously both exceeding expectations and Danilo Gallinara being a big part of that. Um, I just think that you know his bubble performance was very, very underwhelming. You worried about his defense. Um, he can stretch the floor and he's always been known as a shooter, but um, some of the numbers towards the back end of the season was a little bit troubling. Um, don't have a huge problem with it, but when I'm looking down the list of free agency signings, um, spending that much money on a 32-year-old um, given, you know, the age brackets of a lot of the guys for the for Atlanta Hawks. It just um, it doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me. And we'll see if I'm proven wrong. He might be a really good addition. But I think in long term, um, in, you know, two years' time, to still have him $20 million on the books might not look amazing. Um, but there we go. Number two on my list is jermichael green who signed with the denver nuggets so probably not someone that stands out as as someone you really kind of trash on given it was a a low level signing really but i just think um i was interested in denver uh, looking to get a little bit better and i think if you look across both the the east and the west particularly um the west with the lakers and some of their moves um, the top is teams are getting better, and for someone who made a a Western Conference final, the idea was that they're potentially wanting to to get better and through free agency, you know, they might have a, a greater plan on on what they're doing to put things together. But all I've seen is a a very good player in Jeremy Grant leave Mason Plumley, who we can um talk about his flaws, whether he can get over screens and and in such important moments, but. Um, he was an important backup, um, someone who could rim run and finish. You know, he's he's walked out. You had to pull the qualifying offer for for Tory Craig, and I think RJ Hampton uh, is a real savvy um, NBA um, draft for them. I think he's going to be very very good still, but I don't think he's contributing to, to to winning. You know, at least the next twelve months, or in the way that you'd want for a team that's got basically championship expectations, obviously. With Murray and Jokic as your your two core, it's one of the most fun duos in the the NBA, and um, something that you can get a little bit excited about pairing stuff around for, for a window for the next three years. And to bring in Jermichael Green, who you know is is thirty years old, seven and a half million um, for two years. It's it's not it's not awful, but I just it didn't make sense to me. It's someone I'm assuming they want to play more of a backup center for him, um, given that um, him on the floor with Jokic, I think you'd really struggle with um, with defense and clogging up the lanes. And while he can do a little bit in the posts, um, he, he's, he can try and stretch the floor, but I really don't think he's someone that you could be relying on to do that for you. Um, I just, I look at him and obviously he's, he's kind of trended down um, to almost unplayable with the, the Clippers, towards the back end of last year so it just didn't make sense to me and we'll talk about uh, Jeremy Grant in a bit but I just I thought that they could have done a lot better and I was expecting some kind of moves and they're probably projecting to get better from within and uh, they'll they'll get that through Michael Porter Jr. Junior, junior year hoping and whether obviously there's rumors about him he's the piece that's Interesting. If there was ever a Bradley Beal trade to go down, I think there's probably more moves to be had. But in isolation, just going down through the picks, um, Jamichael Green by far is one that stands out as, as something that doesn't make sense to me and just looks a bit gross. But I'm not going to beat up <laughs> too bad. Um, a lot of the a lot of the ones in the list here, I don't don't hate. It's just um, I don't I don't like them as much as the other ones. And some of the other you know, acquisitions like whether it's a Rondo or a Mason Plum or Baines and stuff, they don't really excite me too much. Um, I think it is what it is with some of the ones. We can go a bit too much into to what people are getting paid, but, yeah, whether it's Harry, Harry Giles as well. That's one that I actually quite like, but I don't think people um, want to go on about Harry Giles for too long. But we move into number one spot on my least favourite free agency picks, and I guess it's no... I guess surprise or shock to hear Gordon Hayward be at the top of this list and I really wanted to go into this not to to bash on the Hayward um pick up too much. I I feel that it's it's hard to to really try and um be too negative about teams that are, are making moves to try and get better. I people would have said, you know, 120 million Um, for Gordon Hayward over four years is insane and they wouldn't be wrong Um, but when you say that, who are they being against for this money well it it doesn't really matter if they weren't bidding it against a lot of people because it's a after you opted out of the contract there's a free agency signing so you're bidding for Ingram sorry Hayward services it's if he's going to choose Charlotte over whatever other deal you need to make it appealing for him and we don't know what the number that would have done it but Apparently, oh Charlotte would hope that 120 million dollars was you know the point where it had to get done, and Michael Jordan calling him and offering that was was enough to get um, a man that they wanted, and I think that whether you know he would have gone for what was um, reported probably about 100 million dollars if he could get to Indiana or even New York for the deal, but. um I think the Hornets went out and said, you know, we, we want a, a, a kind of wing player. There's not many people on the market. If you look back to, to what Gordon Hayward can do, he fits into to what we want as a um, another ball handler, someone that can go score, still, you know, gives you a defense despite the injuries, um, you know, the ceiling for, for a player like that and hoping that he can get back to his Utah, Utah Jazz days and just kind of write off what happened in Boston. Um I think you make yourself better as a team, you put someone next to Lamella Ball um, that can at least, with the expectations that's coming with him, can can, can play you know, a level of NBA basketball that you know pushes above average to elite on his day. So I you could sell me on, on a lot of those things and I'm happy to be sold, but when you go through some of the other stuff and the stuff that needs to be <laughs> said, um, there's just red flag after red flag. Um, the fact that... Obviously, he's got all these injury um, since he's gone to Boston. Um, the fact that he's he's thirty, um, a lot of the the shooting numbers, you know, trending down. He's, he's he's if you just watch him, the way he seems a little bit cautious, especially um, after he had the, the leg and the, the wrist injury injury, and he's like short, shorting finger rolled layups. He's pushing some too hard when he's scared of people coming over the top. There's just there's just things about him that that makes it feel. Um, risky when you're not paying him um, this amount of money. So when you when you are paying him this amount of money, you have to kind of factor that into to what you evaluate the situation. The fact that they had to stretch uh, Nicholas Batum over three years at nine million a piece each year just stinks. It just makes the deal feel so much worse. Um, you know, there's examples all over the league of. Players. I mean, Darren Williams was still getting paid close to six million um last season and it's just stuff that kind of sticks on the books and really hurts you long term so while I can see the benefits and you don't want to trash um teams getting savvy to try and get their guys it's just it's hard to be um too positive about everything that's happened when you kind of really get into the details but once they start playing, um, the money isn't going to matter as much for Charlotte, I think. They haven't got anyone else that they really want to spend on, so I'm, I'm happy to wait and see, but I'm not expecting amazing things. I really hope we can we can see the best of Gordon Hayward, because um, he was one of my favourite players for Utah back in the day, so it feels so long ago now. So Let's wait and see on that one, but it was hard not to have it at the top of my list. And there we go. Now we can get more fun, I think. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot easier and fun talking about some of my favorite signings. So we'll go straight into it. Number five of my favorite signings and one of my favorite players. And we've we've had a lot of Brandon Ingram talk on I Get Buckets podcast before. And and it hails back to, to some of the, the points I made with Aaron Fox in terms of having to sit and wait a year. Um and I'm not sure what the number would have been for Brandon Ingram if they could try to get him. But last year, I really went in that, you know, Pelicans should try and investing uh, money in a player that um, we we saw kind of potentially being one of the, the most improved in the league, which, which you know, eventuate, eventuated with um, a debut All-Star appearance, someone who has all the tools to be one of the most versatile scorers in the NBA. Um, things haven't really gone his way, and... Um, I th- thought whether they could sign into a number would have been really good for, for the Pelicans, but they wanted to, to, to kind of buy their time and everything came together like it did. And, and then when it does do that, that's when you sign into the max extension and they were happy to do it. And I think it's, um, I know brainer move, but it doesn't mean it doesn't worthy a spot on the list as as a good thing moving forward. Um, and I mean, I just think it's amiss of me to, to call out the, the Kings and say, you know what, I would have rather you... Do from an external point looking forward is try to get an, another year out of Darren Fox and see what he is before um, you spend big and then if I'm saying that about Darren Fox, you know to say that well the the Pelicans did do this with Brandon Ingram and it all came up roses and then they did pay him um, and that they deserve a little bit of praise for that. So um, number five is is Brandon Ingram on on big money, but I think it's it's a good move and obviously Zion Williamson is your your guy, but you need. Um, to compliment him with scoring and, and someone who create his own bucket and that's Ingram. I like it. Number four, um, so we've gone Sergio Barker here and I think the reason why I've went Sergio Barker is almost because the Clippers save what could have been a quite poor free agency period if you look at it without what they've done here and I think... It's interesting to see what timing deals get done, and there's all workings behind the scenes, but I guess um, if you go on it based on the timeline of events of of what we got reported, things was um, Harrell signing for the Lakers and then after, you know, that, Sergio Barker um, deciding between what looked to be the Toronto Raptors, the Brooklyn Nets, and then the Los Angeles Clippers. And if they've made a decision, which I think they did to say that we don't, we don't want to pay Montrez as Harold the money r- r- despite him being um, the reigning sixth um, man of the year that um, there was a lot of concerns about um, his defence in the playoff some of the, the numbers he was putting up in the bubble um, were really really poor and kind of fell off a cliff compared to his regular season I think there's There's concerns in terms of what his numbers are in the pick and roll with Lou Williams compared to everything else and and their concerns about Lou Williams and what he is a part of the team moving forward. So I think if you bet on the fact that you don't want to pay him and are happy to let him walk to the Lakers, which I assume isn't your ideal scenario, but you were banking on the fact that you could replace um, his position with the same amount of money on on someone like a Serge Barker, and they did. And I think it, it, it fits more into what they want to do. I think Serge Barker has shown us over the last couple of years, especially in the playoffs, that he can kind of come up big, um, especially this year, I thought, where Marcus Hall looked almost unplayable, that um, he really was able to, to hit down threes at a real good clip, and his offensive um, rebounding in particular was was fantastic and something that the Clippers feel they can be a little bit more um, proactive with. I think Serge Barker can, can fit a, a five of... Um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George a lot better um, I mean five in the starting five but also play the five as the centre um, like what he did for the Raptors so I think in isolation that move really saves the Clippers free agency um, again there's a lot of teams that are really on the clock and the Clippers are probably the top of the list on, on wanting to succeed this next year um, Marcus Morris re-signing cool that's fine, whatever, a little bit more money, but you do what you need to do. But Sergio Barker's a real kind of gem and he he could have taken more money to go um, back to Toronto or I know the Nets were chasing him hard for a little bit less money to, to potentially fit into their championship aspirations, but you got him to choose the Clippers and I think they should be really happy with that. Moving on, number three. Um, A player that a lot of people have been talking about. It was really interesting to see where he was going to land, and that's with Christian Wood. Um, So I really, really like the upside with Christian Wood. Um, I'm not saying anything that others have probably gone on about, but um, I think the way he kind of has shown us in the bubble and playing, it fits really well into what I think the modern NBA kind of feel is and especially the fit with the Houston Rockets is, is probably what really gets me over the line with, with having this as my third favorite um, pick. Um, I think there's risk inherently in paying a person who's only <laughs> shown um, the best of what he could do on the back end of a, a COVID season when um, Andre Drummond was, was shipped out so there, there's obviously a little bit of trepidation with paying him money to to kind of build on his season, but he he's one of the unique players in the the field where you really feel like the upside could be um, what he kind of showed you in more, um, and the fact that you only had to pay the thirteen million dollars a year for for that upside, I think is is well worth the risk. Um, I just obviously things may may not pan out, but it's 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 worth it's worth the punt. I think we could. See his numbers don't really tell the t- the tale last year because they were really um, impacted by the minutes he played. You know, only twenty one point four over the season, but we saw after Andre Drummond obviously he started games and was a lot more, um, I guess, beneficial in the role. And I f- I feel like you know he's shown that he can spread the floor, he can shoot the three. Um, I guess his three point shooting was thirty eight percent last season, which it's only on on eight point two. Um, or sorry, 2.3 attempts per game from three. But you keep in mind that he only had 8.2 average for a whole game and that's because of the way he was played in Detroit and those numbers will go up. Um, You can almost guarantee that because Houston Rockets play the The way they do that, those career three point numbers are going to go way, way up. And I really like to fit next to James Harden, even with with Russell Westbrook as well. Like I think he can he can fit that kind of rim running role. Doesn't need the ball, the ball. You know, finishing alley oops under the basket, do some of the the, the dirty work. Um, obviously, long um, athletic guy, um, six foot ten. They can play center. Um, go a little bit small as as the Houston. Um, roadmap is there's just a lot to like about it um and if it goes bust it goes bust so i don't i don't i don't care too much about that but i think it's a good segue into what my number two um free agency pick is that i liked and and that's jeremy grant so a bit of a bit of a zag on this one because i've heard a lot of um negative talk about about jeremy grant um and that's mostly coming down to the number that i think given he signed and um I know that for a 4 year um, deal with twenty million dollars a season is is something that oh sorry three years three years three years and that's why like um, it can stand out twenty million but I just I think there's a little bit of discourse in um, NBA reporting and with fans that um, I just don't like you, you sit there and say oh Jeremy Grant would have been amazing um, pick at fifteen million dollars but at twenty million dollars it's trash especially with Detroit um, doing um, the things that are doing in terms of rebuilding. Um, I think they had a good draft. I think Blake Griffin um, will have a market for trade. You might have to, to try and give up something or, or nothing to get rid of him. But um, the, from what you, you read, there's definitely a market for Blake Griffin, especially if he's playing um, you know, back to form that a lot of people are talking about. Um, you, know, you could really get something. I think they, they're going to be funky with some of what they're going to do, and I just don't think we can sit here and be angry or mad at a team for for trying to do things when they were projected to be, you know, closer to the bottom of the East anyway. So I think, you know, Jeremy Grant as a player has, has shown to be really, really solid. Um, we saw in the playoffs... What he can kind of do—he's athletic. He's young; at only um 26 years old, he can create. He has a little bit to do to of work to do in terms of his handle and, and doing some stuff off the dribble. But he can play off the dribble really well. He can defend well. Um, I think there's countless examples of of people in the NBA who have carved out a real nice um you know role um play kind of position on an NBA team and. And, and shown that when they've given the opportunity and gone to another team, that they've really um, displayed another gear. And I think banking on someone like uh, Jeremy Grant with his skill set, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if really played um, to to more of a, um, you know, two or three, you know, option on, on a team. But like... Um, giving you more versatility than what you saw with Denver and, and, and scoring the basketball and doing a few things and really um, honing in on some of his three-point shooting because I think there's, there's definitely um, a skeleton of, of a weapon there. Um, and I just don't think... You know, you could have kept Christian Wood, and obviously I, I like that signing for Houston, but I don't think you can be too negative in saying... Um, well, we're, we're going to bet on a guy like Jeremy Grant over Christian Wood. We have more of a, a background and track record of, of what his projections will be. And I think if you're a betting man, um, i jump on board and, and, and say that in three years' time, Jeremy Grant is going to be a, a much better player or even contributing more to winning than Christian Wood is. I think that's a really safe thing to say. So I don't think um, you could be too negative um, about signing him. Again, the money... I'm not too. I don't like. I don't care that much that he's he's on twenty million dollars when you're Detroit Pistons. It's a three year contract. We know that three year contracts are, are, can be really good and flexible. I like you know you, you bet on the the production um, and if it goes well you can try and keep them around. But if it doesn't go well then you know it's an inspiring piece that you can get funky with. And I, I don't think he's going to be that bad. That it's going to be something that clogs up your list, especially given his age and and what he can do for you. At at, at worst he's you know, what Denver, um, saw in the playoffs, so, I, I just think it's fine, it's great, I think a lot of the negative stuff about it's been weird, um, you can talk trash about the Mason Plumlee signing if you want, again, I know, like, it's, it's not going to excite anyone, but, you know, this is what centers are getting paid, you saw Aaron Baines and Tristan Thompson, um, and all these guys, you know, sign for around that, that mark, um, I'm just, I'm I'm not going to get angry at Mason Plumlee when, People, you know, say that Tristan Thompson at nine million is an awesome deal. It's fine. The Mason Plumlee one's fine too. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not gonna get angry at four million dollars for Jahlil Okafor. Who cares? <laughs> um, they take a flyer on Just Jackson. I just think they need to do this thing. They're the Detroit Pistons. They haven't got um, you know someone on the books really that's projecting for for their next playoff team. So why not take flyers on a few of these guys? Um, and try, and try and contribute to a culture that's going to start winning again and not just floating around the night seed. That's my little Detroit rant. Um, but moving on, and I'm glad we waited just to make it official um, with the Kings not matching the extension put to my man and my number one of uh, my favorite free agency signings, and that is Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, who... If you've listened to a lot of the podcasts we've done before, I'm, I'm big on Bogdan Bogdanovic. It's not just fun to say, it's fun to watch when um, you look at how he plays the basketball, the basketball, IQ um, of what he does on the court. And I just think he can contribute to winning and he's a perfect fit at the Atlanta Hawks um, next to Trey Young. I think he's a, another ball handler um, that can create a bucket. Um, He's a really good passer after he turns um, through the lanes and breaks people down. He knows what to do with the basketball. Um, I know there's question marks on his defense and putting him next to Trey might um, be a question mark, but I really think he has the tools to at least buy into um, a team defense and and that could be up to the coaching. Um, And that's not even to start about how good of a shooter he is. I just really think he's he's the modern kind of type basketball um, for a wing and I just think... With him falling to you, given the whole problem and um, fiasco that was to sign a trade with the Bucks, that you have to be over the moon that um someone um like his skill set that I think fits in perfectly. Um, I I think you'd have to remember that because he was a Eurostash and came over, he's a little bit older at twenty eight years old. But um, and I know I I said poor things about Danilo for for thirty, but um. I think I think you know he's that upper of the the window of your players to get in, and he's only going to improve um, with the opportunity because he was a little bit um, stuck with the Kings in terms of some of the the minutes, and they tried to be a little bit funky with him, and you, you saw him taking late game plays and really closing stuff. And um, I, as I said, I think he's definitely the, the what they rather would have kept instead of Buddy Heald, but. They, they've backed themselves, the Kings, in the corner where they, they couldn't really get anything for the asset anymore and had to let him walk, and that must burn twice as hard given um, you had the sign-and-trade and you would have got, I think, DJ Wilson um, and DiVincenzo, who, who's a funky, nice nice piece. Um, so Atlanta have kind of swept in. Um, again, I would have preferred this without the Danilo Garanari, you know, one, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> you get both. Um but I can't talk enough about some of the, the nice things that he does. Um, and I'm really excited to see how, how he fits um, next to Trey Young. And I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, so That's it. I'd be really interested um, to see <laughs> some of the people's thoughts about um, running through the things. But um, I just think it's, it's really worthwhile kind of breaking down some of the things and like. And there were, there were five of the ones that really stood out um, Going through the list, I think, you know, honourable mentions. Um, it's nice to see Fred Vliet, you know, be paid as the highest contract for an undrafted player ever at um, $85 million um, for year deal. Good on him. I think Joe Harris and Bertans have kind of proven that um, teams will bank on uh, elite shooting and, and start to pay him as such. And I think while, you know, five years is, is a long time for Davis Davis Bertans, um, that, you know, shooting doesn't age, and he's you know shown that he's, you know, one of the the best in the league. If, you know, top five for sure, and and that's a a contract that you know you can move whenever you needed really, because you know shooting's at a premium. Um, Though I had real competition to keep him, and and at that at that number is what you're gonna have to do. And I think you can say really similar things about Joe Harris, um, and that you know the main. Motivation for the Brooklyn Nets is obviously they're trying to compete for a championship and to have someone who can shoot and, and not just shoot, um, defend at you know an average level and, and get to the basket um, to put around Irving and Durant is a no-brainer. Um, and yeah, yeah, a lot of the other um, picks don't really interest me too much. Obviously, um, Derek Favors I think is a really really fun one for him. Go back to, to Utah Jazz. I'm really happy to see Goran Dragic um, stay. I mean, it's a lot of money for, for two years for someone who's 34. But after they got so close and after he got injured, like I think it's it's a good culture thing to to bring him back and pay the money that um, he he really deserves. I think so. It's all good. Okay, 40 minutes of um, free agency talk down. I'm really excited for for the next or um, well, the start of the season coming in. We're gonna do a weekly one up until my fantasy projections. Probably doing um, a top hundred for fantasy, which would be fun. So stay tuned for that. Um, I guess the only other thing is to talk about is the draft. Uh, thought it was really interesting this year doing a COVID draft. There's been a lot of talk about how it how it was presented. Uh, quick thoughts: It was weird. To watch, I think a lot of a lot of people felt the same over the network, and they they didn't really do it justice, and and what you'd want. I know it's a hard thing with the gimmick, and there's been a lot of, um, I guess, joshing and, and fun pointed at the fact that there's you know a lot of almost manufactured emotion with the draft. I think's the best way to put it. I. I think there's there was a little bit of that, but I think it's actually like it's nice to see, um, you know, young men who have been through a really tough year and and things kind of pulled out from from their feet in terms of the expectations and what they're hoping would be, you know, the beginning and some of the best memories they'd be making towards, you know, putting themselves forward for the draft and to be able to to get to a point where, you know, they were picked up in whatever fashion and kind of guaranteed, um, this contract and future and the things pay off. Like I have no problem with them showing emotion. I think it's a nice thing to see. I think we should encourage it, um, a lot more. I think them being in the, I guess, the comfort of the home rather on a stage, obviously we saw that a lot more. And I think if they can feel vulnerable and, and, and want to, um, you know, show emotion, I have no problem with that at all. I thought there was examples, especially Cole Anthony, who was able to speak really well afterwards and be articulate. And I just think, um, it shows character and I'd be loving, you know, having some of the players coming through into my system who'd shown to to be comfortable and talk about these things and it definitely feels a little bit overdone and I think some of the pushing from um, some of the interviews um, probably, you know, didn't come across as, as well as it could have. Um, it made it a little bit awkward but I think the, the biggest problem with what the, they've done in the draft was... Um, you know, you're used to the the countdown clock. You're used to things popping up and people being more analytical about, you know, this player. This is his fit on this team. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Um, you know, teams keep passing on on this. They could be a little bit more, um, I guess, upfront about some of their thoughts and and the the reasons why teams are looking after these teams or picking them, um, which is why what you know the fan of NBA wants to come and, and watch. And while everything else was nice and getting a little bit of the family story, you know. Um, it it, do, it does kind of drag out to when it when it dominates every you know bit part of the NBA draft and you know we want to know as a fan especially I guess myself and I'm assuming for others um, I might be wrong but especially when you know you've got zoom calls and you're expecting these analysts uh, to be quite honest about what they think this player is good at or what he's not and then they're obviously clearly on the other end watching this <laughs> it can be a little bit awkward and we we didn't get as much as what I was hoping with that this year be interesting maybe we'll go back to to normal um next year and they can um talk about how everyone's passed up on on ball ball for whatever reason and um <laughs> say how this guy can't shoot and um, the Knicks took this guy early again. Whatever, whatever it, it ends up being, um, it'd be good to get get a bit about that. It just the whole the whole draft did feel a little bit weird. Um, but I mean, it's been a weird year, so what are you gonna do? Um, Lamelo Ball to number three um, was fine. I know I talked about him on last week's podcast. I would have loved to see him go number one, but um, I think he's, he's a good get for for, for Hornets and. I think all the teams would be stoked with what they're doing. and um, yeah, it's, it's it's hard from um, double over, like one, from from overseas, um, not getting as much insight into these guys. And two, even if you wanted to this season, we do really get to see um, a lot of feel uh, more than playing, obviously with everything cancelled. And I, I am one to definitely kind of not want to overreact to, to YouTube clips of a guy making five threes in a row or, or dunking on, you know, a couple of guys who are five inches shorter than him. Um, especially when you can you can bring a camera and, and get anyone to hit five threes or ten threes in a row if you, you were there long enough. I'm, I do get excited about that. So I think I'm coming um, from the perspective of, of not knowing enough about a lot of these guys to make a call. Um, LaMelo Ball being the exception, obviously, being um, over in Australia to play. So um, it'll be interesting. I think um we'll go into the fantasy review of players and i think less rookies than usual are going to be on my um big board um one because of just what i said i just don't know enough about them playing but two um i don't think a heap of them are walking into situations where they're going to be uh trusted to kind of run an offense or or fill a, a high minute role right off the bat so I guess that's a, a little bit of a, a thing for, for a few weeks' time now. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be really good. But this was a another another weekly episode with the free agents and I hope um, everyone going to kick out of, of listening to some of the things. Um, with, as always, you know, like, subscribe, do all the good stuff, um, share it where you can. But overall, I'm just happy if everyone's enjoying this. And it was good to have you here and thanks again. And we'll catch up again next time. So thank you. We'll see you later.